Hello and welcome to Radio Free Nintendo. It's June 22nd, 2017, and the nightmare is over. E3 has concluded, and we are free to go back to not having anything to talk about for the next six months. I'm your host, James Jones, and with me today, fresh back from the disease-infested public E3, where he has no, no doubt caught many new diseases that his ancient his ancient immune system has never seen before, Mr. John Lindemann. No, I've seen I've seen them all, James. All of them. Yep, the clap, whatever you want. I I, I really Syph- hope you syphilis. I really hope you didn't catch the clap <laughs> at E3, John. I I I, I don't keep. Well, it was just a spell. It was, I don't you know, keep went high away expectations after a few for hours. you. Like I don't, I don't. It was all good. I don't aim sky high for you. Like I say, it's all right. All good. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna level set for what I expect John to do. Yep. I you hold know, you in higher regard than getting the clap while like waiting in line to play Mario plus rabbits. No, nah, it was at the X Seed booth. It was just don't worry about it. Well, that's actually deal. like worse. Like in, in a way, like I feel like going in the X Seed booth should make you not want to think about sex. Anyway, also joined today by the man who did not apparently catch all kinds of communicative diseases, Mr. Greg Leahy. Greg, I need to start introing with you and then just skip John's intro altogether. Uh, uh, however you want to handle it. I Can I, is, is it acceptable for me to intro a member of the show in third person and then not acknowledge them when they try to talk? That may be the, <laughs> that may be the angle to take going forward. Yeah, I also don't mind you introing Greg by specifying that he has not caught the clap lately. So. <laughs> yeah. this, uh, you know, presumptuous in a way, but I'll take it. <laughs> I, you're right. It's, it was unfair of me to assume. My 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 apologies to you for assuming such things. Um, I too have not caught the clap at the Exceed booth lately. Um, definitely, here we for, are. Definitely for lack of trying. And uh, this is episode five twenty eight. I got it right this time. Uh, I didn't magically deduct three hundred episodes from the total. And. Um, We've we're we're gonna take it easy because Guillaume's out this week. Uh, you know, John is in fact just back from E3. Uh, we produced a ton of content over at NintendoWorldReport.com that you can consume for all of your video game desires from Nintendo coverage because we produced a hell of a lot of it. And you know, we'll call this a victory lap. We'll call this being lazy. We'll call this I'm editing for the third or fourth time in a row and just don't want to have a long episode to edit. But so whatever. James, I, t- I just have to ask you before we get into this. So, uh-huh. I, you know, it's we're it's not well in this known. already. It's well done. <laughs> we're gonna get deeper into it. Okay, uh-huh. so I mean, it's well known that you're a mentor of mine, a role model, if you oh, will. Oh, good. Um, and and <laughs> drop on my I, doorstep. I was I was hosting. I, I hosted three of three of the the RFN. There's three from from E3. Yeah, there's three of them in there. There's three of them. <laughs> Doesn't mean they all went up on the on the. Uh, John, the, I only have two. Days. Um. But uh, what the fuck but, yeah, happened so, to number three? I mean, what? Yeah, day one, day two, and day three. So, uh, uh, no, <laughs> that is not accurate. All right, but I have day two, and day to, three. <laughs> you listened to at least at least two of them. I did the two, the two that exist. What uh, what do you have to to say to me? What critiques do you have? As, well, as a host. So I'm going to start with saying hosting the E3 podcast is hard. Um, that's not like an attempt to soften the blow because I would never do that. Uh, 
it's just it's difficult because you've got big personalities in the room, Johnny, and um, <laughs> and you, you, people want to talk about what they've played, and everybody's got things on the top of their head, and they're they're both tired and excited, and adrenaline's doing weird shit. Uh, you haven't eaten correctly in a let's say E three started about two months ago on the new E three schedule. So, you know, your your body's not acting right, your brain's not acting right, you're tired, but you can't sleep, um, to, and you, your brain just wants to vomit everything you've got to say about a game out. And you've got a group that doesn't have any real discipline with each other. Some of them don't have any mic discipline, they don't have podcast, you know, experience with each other, it's not a collective group. And I think you did well, because that's, some, that's hosting that show kind of sucks. Like, it's fine, the show is what it is, but it's like there's... People just want to talk, you know, they just want to, making a show out of it versus just a bunch of talking is something that we too will one day manage on RFN. Um, we'll get there. We're not there yet. But you, you did a fine job, John, except right. apparently you lost an episode. Because um, <laughs> there's only I guess, two I mean, of them. I w- Well, only two, of the two that I hosted, I guess. Uh, you said you hosted three. Um. I guess. Well, I guess I'm thinking I was on three of them. I didn't only hosted two of them. You, there was the one that I hosted here. Right. Yeah. Well, there was the one that we called into, and then yeah. Okay. The two that I the two that I hosted. You confused the shit out of me, John. I was yeah. really worried. We you lost were confusing the, me. I'm like, I was what? worried we lost I'm the like, podcast. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, was there a podcast that I that I was on that that you didn't know about? Like, anyways. I'm going to adjust the hosting score accordingly for the the mysterious third podcast that may or may not exist. The Bigfoot podcast, as we'll call it. Um, We'll call it episode 527 Bigfoot Pizza. Um, But yeah, we'll move on. You did did fine, John. Naming, naming though, we got to get the names a little punchier. Mm. A little more bitter. I had no, I had no punch left in me. Get a little more, get a little more, but you should have lots of acid left in you, lots of bile. Like really, I I do. It's often it's all I have left. Really channel that when you name an E3 episode. Like really, Mm. really tap into like what's pissed you off. Be like, man, like you could, you could name the episode, man, comma, insert NWR staffer here, really needs to get breathe right strips. Mm. Fucking name it that. I don't care. Go nuts. Uh, Because that's what E3 is all about. It's about ruining relationships. All right, you heard it here first, people. <laughs> this this is where Neil's like, I need to make sure he doesn't go to E3 2018. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we don't have a lot of new business to cover. Um, and as you've probably surmised, and I've, I've already kind of said it, Guillaume is still trapped in Europe. Um, yeah, he's roaming around Glasgow. Yeah, he's uh, he will be back next week, presumably, if, you know, if we let him. We'll figure it out. But uh, Greg's going to run through some new business real quick. John and I don't have a lot to talk about. And then we're going to get straight to your listener mail. Oh. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, weird sort of. I did go on a little bit of a Metroid kick after the uh, the joyous news of. Gotta have your games. fix, huh? Uh, well, you know, I said I was played Zero Mission before and just really because I was kind of. It's one of those things where you. E3 comes around, you think about it, you hope something's going to happen, but then you're like, nah, it probably isn't, so let's just enjoy what we've got. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but then, yeah, they put some stuff on sale. I bought uh, Super Metroid on new 3DS for half price. That's probably the one game I'm really guilty of buying 
too many times, but at least it was half price. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. played more of that. But uh, yeah, I also got arms today. Uh, I haven't had much time to do a lot with it, just uh, run through the, the Grand Prix so far. And um, it was nice also that they, they, you know, you had the firmware update, so that you know the the, fir- the my friends list is is really starting to populate again. Yay. Because all, all my old friends are, uh, are suggested now, courtesy of the you know sort of actually using that whole Nintendo account thing that they were mm-hmm. <laughs> setting up for, for the past few years. So I'm sure I'll be playing that plenty in the next weeks. And then for some reason, just lots of demos for 3D stuff uh you know i haven't even played all of them uh so we had ever oasis during e3 we've had since then um P- hey pikmin today and uh i think mitomo uh sorry mitomo mitopia today yeah and uh and then also most crucially the uh, Dr. Kawashima's devilish brain training, <laughs> <laughs> just to just to prove that it really is going to come out in Europe. I want them to soon. cancel it like the day before it comes out. <laughs> I want them to send Don a review copy and then cancel it, so he is the only European with the game. Yeah, yeah, sort of seems fitting. But um, yeah, I have played the Pikmin and Ever Oasis demos. Ever Oasis, the, uh, there's not a huge amount to it. Obviously, the reviews just went up today, so obviously there's a lot more coverage of this game out there. Demo-wise, you just get a little glimpse into kind of how the town building and the kind of sort of more kind of usual kind of gathering quests uh, you know, sit alongside the sort of dungeon sort of aspects to it. So, you know, it's an action RPG kind of game, as I'm sure people know by now, made by Gretzo. You certainly see the um, Zelda remake kind of... Uh, foundations in there in terms of the way that the map screen looks at the bottom and, and John will enjoy this the fonts uh, seem very <laughs> reminiscent of uh, <laughs> of these Zelda remakes and all that kind of stuff so it'll remind you a little bit of that it'll remind you a bit of uh, Secret of Mana I guess because of the three character party uh, which is suitable. I also have that in mind because of the uh, the heritage of Gretzo, you know, the developer they have in the connections go back to Secret of Mana many years ago. Uh, and you've just you switch among three characters, and they have different weapons that uh, you know, might have certain advantages against different enemies, and also have different abilities when you're in these situate. The, there's there's a t- little minor bit of dungeon kind of stuff going on in uh in the demo where you have some sort of very uh, gentle puzzle solving to do and the character special abilities sort of come into play there so you're just sort of switching from one to another to to solve those and the little bit of a you know it's oddly unique to monster hunter but it made me think of monster hunter just because i played that you know probably most recently this sort of game but in terms of like gathering materials you know, you can go up to like a mineral deposit thing hit a, hit it with a pickaxe and then it'll you know give you some stuff and then that'll be able to 
get you know, complete a quest back in the oasis the kind of hub town area and then you know the difference is you're kind of really building up that uh that town that's a huge component of the game you only really glimpse that in the demo naturally but uh certainly from the reviews i've read and whatnot it seems like that's you know a pretty major part of the game certainly interested in it uh you know but having just got arms i'll probably be busy with that for a little while but uh it's very much uh in consideration for the next time i fancy a 3ds game and then there was the pikmin demo which uh you know was interesting from the point of view that whereas ever oasis while it was you know kind of this was its second e3 did get a little bit of time on treehouse didn't it uh it did. you know ever away you got again even though it was coming out very shortly afterwards whereas pikmin as far as i can remember apart from the amiibo being in a case kind of got shut out right i I don't remember there really being any coverage of that on treehouse you say that but like i feel like it did but i don't know when yeah i mean i didn't i didn't watch i mean being at the show you never watch treehouse you have no No. time no like you you pass it and you see it you see it going on and you maybe yeah the only time i I ever watched it was xenoblade chronicles x because it wasn't on the show floor and johnny and i just sat there and watched it yeah i actually watched that uh i think i watched that at the at the end of the first day. Like I watched that yeah. basically after I got home. So, uh, but I, the one thing I will say about Treehouse is that I wish it didn't take up space in their booth because there's really no well, advantage space to it is at all. A bit more a premium when you've got these big queues coming. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's, that was the whole it thing. Made, was, it that's... made a ton of sense last year. Uh, and the year, the year well, it made a ton of sense the year I was there when they had it, like it worked well in the booth. You know, it was something that, you know, you could actually watch if you were in line or, you know, they had that little stage for Smash and it was fine. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, Nintendo's booth is elaborate in the extreme. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wonder if their booth is what it is because they started designing it a year ago before the whole public E3 thing happened. Probably, yeah. I mean, their, their booth was actually fairly simple this year. Uh, they did, the second day, they did, uh, they did move around things. So they, yeah, they, they kind of they dealt do with- that. They dealt with the queues a bit better in the sense that what they did the second day was they just had one long queue that split into five separate queues, and then um, and then they just they would send five people at once to like to the next row of Odyssey machines. So yeah, and and um, that's kind of yeah. what they did um, the year they had Splatoon the first time um, mm-hmm. that when they announced it, and it 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 was one of those word of mouth games where like. That first day, people were interested in it because it looked so different from Nintendo stuff. And then the second day, like, it was getting kind of busy. Mm-hmm. And they had only kind of put it in a corner. Mm-hmm. So, like, they started, like, really finding ways to split the lineup and do all kinds of stuff. Like, they're, they're pros. That's, that's, yeah. that's what I'll say about Nintendo's booth. They're pros. Yeah, but, but, yeah, but, I mean, back to Pikmin. I mean, I didn't see Pikmin anywhere. It was not, it did not appear to be in the Treehouse Live. I just went through, yeah. I went through the playlist they have for it on their YouTube page. No, no, so, yeah. I mean, I, 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 even having the luxury of not being at the, you know, the show or anything, I, I, I haven't seen everything from Treehouse, but I don't, I don't believe yeah. it was discussed really or anything, um, you know. No, I mean, so, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't back in their booth when we had the booth appointments, it wasn't back there at all, so. Right. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting because it's a little bit, 
further off, you know, it might seem like it might need a bit more kind of attention than than some other 3DS games that they did talk about. But you know, anyway, the demos here, uh, you know, for that purpose to some extent, and so you know, played played that. Uh, you get like a three different sort of parts. One is just the super basics, and then you get kind of two that are the actual kind of presumably levels from the game. Um, one, you're just using a single type of Pikmin, and then the latter level, uh, you actually get red Pikmin and rock Pikmin together, which is kind of interesting because I know from the preview coverage that uh, went up you know, a little while ago now, uh, what people had played kind of there was some kind of concern that what they played was just like dealing with one uh, set of Pikmin at a time you know so okay here's a water level and you've just got all blue Pikmin but that's it like it wasn't like obviously this is quite a different game right. from the, the true Pikmin games, the regular Pikmin games, but, you know, in terms of incorporating part of that, you know, having a balance using different types of Pikmin, you know, to overcome enemies or environmental puzzles, you know, getting objects, all that kind of stuff. It's kind of a core to the, the Pikmin uh, kind of concept, so you'd like to see that represented. And in this case, there wasn't really anything too kind of relevant about the fact that they had some red Pikmin to start with and then you got rock ones. It was really mostly just rock ones that you wanted to use, but there seemed to be some elements there that suggested you could have, uh, you know, make some interesting uses with this game of, of having uh, different kinds of Pikmin. Because, of course, you know, unlike you, tr you know, the traditional Pikmin games, you're not really, you're not manufacturing Pikmin anymore. Uh, from the corpses that, <laughs> of the things you beat, you know, you're just finding them in in the side scrolling levels. Um, but you know what that gives is a, like a scarcity of Pikmin, and so it seems like what that's going to do is that you know you need to keep the Pikmin, certain types of Pikmin alive if you're going to collect everything in a level. You've got certain kinds of treasures, you know, that you might not be able to get if you haven't got every you know, a certain number of a certain type. You know, if there's a if for instance, I don't know, a, a, a treasure that's caught behind some sort of fire barrier, you're obviously going to need enough red Pikmin to be able to carry it across from that. But, like, they had a, a, a moment in this particular sort of level in the demo where you've got these kind of... You, f you have to throw Pikmin across this sort of area where you've got these kind of very spiny creatures sort of going across in formations that um, if you throw a red Pikmin and it hits one of these creatures, they die instantly. If you throw a rock Pikmin, then they kind of bounce off uh, and you know, obviously you haven't got them to where you want them to go, but they're not dead. You could sort of, you know, you could go back. So it's kind of interesting, something like that, where maybe you could set that up where it's like, well, yeah, you could use the rock Pikmin as safer to use, but maybe if you could actually use the red Pikmin to achieve it, maybe it'll get you like an extra bit of treasure as well or something. Um, so, you know, there, there could be some kind of interesting aspects to, um, you know, the different Pikmin types and having them together. And I certainly hope like the puzzle solving and stuff kind of comes into its own uh, as the game goes on but you know it does in general the nature of the product does kind of seem like a way to and this is certainly something that people have said with the preview coverage and whatnot of of like introducing the Pitmin world and characters to you know younger players or you know people that might have found the regular games sort of relatively intimidating or you know that kind of thing or just not their cup of tea. So yeah, I do wonder whether it's really going to kind of get that advance 
uh, in its final form. But you know, there's some uh, promise uh, contained within this demo, and it, it, it's only in 2D as as you would expect, given the fact that it's one of those games that plays across the two screens, sort of like going back to the old days of DS. But um, you know, it does actually look a little bit nicer uh, than I was expecting. Um, you know, and replicates the kind of Pitman aesthetic quite nicely, if not obviously, you know, it can't really do it given the, the complete change of perspective and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to be keeping my eye out on this. It's, um, you know, of the pedigree with our zest and all that, it's not the. You don't have the yeah, greatest it's, it's level of conf- you don't have the greatest level of confidence in the game necessarily, but I'm, I'm, but equally I'm not just going to write it off. You know, where I, I wait uh, the reviews and all that with with quite a lot of interest because I do have quite a lot of affection for the the Pitman aesthetic and the characters and all that. It's something sort of. Uh, you know, kind of endearing but also creepy. That's an amusing combination to me about that sort of, about that world. That's uh, that's John's motto, isn't it? Endearing <laughs> but kind of creepy. It's 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 what I try. It's it's uh, what I try to. It's really aspirational more than anything. <laughs> which which part <laughs> are you aspiring to? And what have you succeeded at? <laughs> various various parts, James. Okay, well, that's fine. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna step away from that disaster that I've just laid at my own feet, and uh, actually we're gonna kind of roll into some listener mail. So you can send us email. I allow it to do that. You would email it to rfn at nintendorolldeport.com. You can send it to other places, but we probably won't see it. So if you actually want us to fail at reading it versus fail at reading it by not reading it, I guess I don't I don't know. If you want, us, if you want suppose, us to have a chance to succeed and yet still fail at reading it, send it yeah, to RFN well, at attenderworldreport.com. Somebody was asking us this. I, I suppose they could also send us questions on Twitter, correct? They could. Um, yeah, D- don't send it to the RFN Twitter because nobody checks the mentions on that. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... It sounds like a very what, useful I mean, thing. Yeah, I'm on top of it, James. Out. What are you talking about? I logged into it today and it had 99-plus <laughs> unviewed mentions, so yeah, I'm guessing well, you we're know, not on top of it. Like a third of them were us, so... Maybe you should just, you know, use the incognito <laughs> window or refresh your web browser or something like that. Let's, you know, let's just do that. I don't know. <laughs> my, my incognito browser is busy, John. Yeah, um, okay. <laughs> what a show. What are we doing? Who God. knew who knew that Guillaume was the moral compass of the show? Good All right, so Lord, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm sad. No, I'm mm-hmm. sad. All right, so we're going to we're going to do email. So rfn at okay. com. You can send it to John or myself on Twitter or Guillaume. Uh Guillaume is Guillaume NWR. John is Mr. Diamond J and I am NWR underscore James. You can send it to the RFN official Twitter account, RFN Podcast, but I think Guillaume's the only one who's really active on there based on what gets retweeted. Um, By the way, I really like this first the, the phrasing of this first email, given what we've just talked about. Here. I know. So, John, in fact, you like it so much, you're going to uh, read it. I like it. it so much. All right, I will. Uh, Mikey from Australia says, where can I send money for an RFN scarf? First time, long time? I don't even know what that means. First time listener, long, t- okay. long time okay. listener, first time writer. All right, Okay. Um, my mind just went elsewhere. I apologize. Uh, love the mature take on Nintendo stuff. Glad Greg's back. Take care. XOXO. Yeah. 
that mature take. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, we we should probably. I, I wonder how how much. Okay. Well, plus. actually. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder what Peggy just, eighteen. <laughs> Peggy eighteen. We, uh, we just, don't have a big enough box for the Peggy logo. I'm sorry. Uh, that's just the think, USK logo. You're right. I'm sorry. You're right. It's the USK one. That's the monstrosity. Just thinking out loud. I wonder. I wonder how hard it would be for us to actually get some RFN scarves made. Well, it would be very difficult to think quietly on a podcast. To be fair, but um, mm-hmm. you know what? Why don't Why don't I look into that while Greg, you read the next email? Okay, <laughs> so so there's no information we have at this time about scarves. Oh, we are we are we are reaching out to our uh, to our business manager, yeah. which also happens to be us, um, because yeah. <laughs> because we don't have any employees on this show, just us. By the way, just, yeah. just to be clear, I, I, I guess I've been back for the better part of two years, but that joke predates my return. <laughs> yeah, That's, and I. And, and, uh, and I will say we could always uh, – our backup plan could always be to hire the company that did the merchandise for E3 because the merchandise from E3 pretty much looked like it was from Cafe Press. Yeah, I uh, – I, Giant Bomb did a video on that stuff, and I felt yeah. ill. Like legitimately it just, just was, felt bad. Uh, it, it was like a par- – honestly, that stuff was like a parody of, of gaming T-shirts. Oh, yeah, and, and like, like it, a bunch of controllers so cringeworthy. That, that one that said, I'd tap that. It's like – yeah. Awesome gamer oh, with an arrow, like oh, with an shite. arrow pointing up. Um, yeah, yeah. It, I, I was at E3 2017. I mean, just some of the cheesiest. Uh, oh, just terrible. It was like just, just terrible, terrible, terrible. And, terrible and what was what's amazing is that like being mad about this, I went and produced like two or three other shirts, and they easily could have made their way in, including yeah, the, it, uh, the the the. What was it? The uh, the DS Turbo Graphics um, Famicom logo shirt. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, speaking I'm a, of Giant I'm a Bomb, DTF gamer, yo. It, it it reminded me of you know their their kind of their sort of memes where sure. you know they, they found that they found that website that where they could put the name of any game on the T-shirt. Oh yeah, yeah. Remember it was that? Bad. That's kind of what it reminded. Yeah, it was bad. Just so, bad. It sounds like it's thirty-seven dollars to get a custom scarf printed. So, I. Mm. You can send it to our man um, if you if you need if you need to ask how to pay him. You're not ready, uh, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. if you know him, if you know our guy that we just said doesn't exist because we don't have any business managers. Um, but the he, thing is, though, we're, we're, I mean, we're going to sell this only in Europe, and we'll give out like five of them in the U.S. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah. send, just, just an FYI, that's send us thirty-seven dollars worth of gold shaved mm-hmm. into the form of paper with your address written on the back of it. It's going to be very small because $37 with the gold is very small. Yeah. And we'll be the judge of what constitutes paper, right. by the way. We will get you a scarf if we can read it mm-hmm. off the back of your gold your gold leaf that you have written your address on. We'll get you a scarf. You pull that off. You get it to our guy. I'm not mm-hmm. saying he's a prince in Africa, but he might be. And you'll get a scarf. Custom printed with John's face on it. And just the phrase RFN. Um, by the way, John, you signed away your image rights at some point. I, I forgot to tell you that. I probably did. <laughs> All right. Sounds like something I'd do. So email. <laughs> yes. Yep, I'll, 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 I'll take it then. Yep. Please, uh, so. please, take us away. <laughs> 
Rob writes, hey, crew, love the podcast, keep up the good work. My question is, do you get frustrating watching quote-unquote press play games at E3? Especially series that have been around for years, and let's be honest, you should have some semblance of knowledge in how the games control. Last E3, Nintendo focused on Zelda, and when it came, many videos of people playing, often poorly, Breath of the Wild. I'll be honest, the game is tough, but watching everyone just play incredibly poorly really irked me. This hasn't been helped with Mario Odyssey this year, which left me screaming at the videos, wanting someone to take the controls away and give them to someone who at least played Mario 64. End of rant. Uh, so uh, I picked this go. email and I'm still losing it. Um, <laughs> well, well uh, what, what I what I will say is that E3 because the lines were so long and there were so many people there, I had no choice but to watch press play games. Am um, I right? All right. So, so to put it in terms of press, there is the enthusiast press, which is what they call us. Uh, that's people like myself, Greg, John, who are you know who work for outlets that explicitly cover video games. Uh, we're, not like, we're not like enthusiasm at all times. Yeah, we're, not, we're, not, we're not like the, you know, USA Today coming in there and just like, we're going to, I'm going to send somebody to cover video games. He's going to play this thing. He's never seen video games before. His name's John Q. No video games. He's going to play this and he's going to not know how to press the A button. That does happen. And at E3, you'll see that. Um, I Is play- that what that Denzel Washington movie's about? Yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty much what it's about. Um, I I played uh, Mario New Super Mario Brothers on Wii with someone who gleefully exclaimed they hadn't played video games before, which would be or hadn't played video games in years, which would be a really um, kind of funny thing on day one. It was day three. <laughs> did they jump on your head a lot? Uh, they yeah. they did a lot of nothing, which in which in that meant they just kept getting turned into a bubble and coming flying back in our direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you do see it. I mean, it, it it's just par for the course. There's non enthusiast press in there who are sent there to cover. But as as the press has gotten younger, um, and and field assignments is always kind of a young man's game. Um. Even, even of course, I haven't been in two years, but even compared to my first E3, which was 08, I think, um, or 09, it's, I don't see a lot of that anymore. The people they're sending, um, and a lot of these outlets, as they've become more online-centric, have started putting people in the role of uh, being in touch with video gaming. And, you know, they, they, maybe they're not full-time associates, maybe they're contract. You don't see as much of that as you did back in the day. Like, my worst example is... Was it Bear Grylls? It wasn't Bear Grylls. Bear Grylls didn't play his own game. Um, <laughs> I have seen. He's, Bear, out, he's out living it, man. I've seen Bear Grylls at E3, but he did not play Bear Grylls at E3. So that was, that is actually a, a life loss. It was uh, the one that was a cooking show tied to a, a Food Channel product, um, and he obviously did not know how to play video games and was just befuddled by his own game. But that's okay. Like I don't, I'm not bothered by that. I'm not bothered by Pele not even knowing how to talk about video games. Uh, yeah, it's just fun. Uh, for me to give the the personal story, I was the AP wire photo of someone playing Skyward Sword. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's I better, it's better than your usual 
picture, which is posted in post offices throughout the United <laughs> States. But <laughs> um, also, better, also better than you know Miyamoto playing it on stage. It's true. Where the interference <laughs> just screwed it. It's all true. Up. And, and I'll say, I'm glad it wasn't video because I didn't do a good job because it was right after they had had the. This was when they used Nintendo had a press conference, and then they had the games playable in their press conference afterwards. Um. And so I got there, you know, I knew it was coming, even though they had hidden the kiosks and had positioned myself to get there first. And so, like, the people took photos of someone playing it, and I happened to be the someone in place. But if it had been video, it, I would have looked like I had, I would have looked like I had some kind of disorder. Um, so I sympathize. You know, I don't get frustrated. I, I would be more frustrated if an enthusiast press was doing it. And mm-hmm. didn't have somebody there to do it. You know, there's the infamous uh, video of Polygon playing Doom that got made fun of because they were terrible. And mm-hmm. rightly so, they're made fun of it because they're an enthusiast outlet. And there is there's there is an acceptable barrier to like, oh, you're good at this. Yeah. Um, but like just just general press, you know, if it's like the Wall Street Journal's reporter sent to cover E3 and he's terrible at Assassin's Creed Origins or whatever they're calling that one. Um, you know, whatever. That's fine. I don't expect the Wall Street Journal to be uh, enemies of the Templars anyway. So, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, I would say uh, it's something that came up when uh, I think it was on the was it on the last show or the or the other one that John hosted just recently where. I think it was, wasn't it Johnny basically said, yeah, E3 is just a shitty place to play video games. Yeah, it's yeah. terrible. Like, yeah, it like, is. No, I mean, that's the thing. Is like, it isn't a great environment to play. So, you know, it's it's all well and good if sitting from afar like I've always done. And I've, I've seen videos every now and again where you're like, what are they trying to do? <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's easy to think that way um, <laughs> when you're not crammed in like a sardine or whatever trying to play these things where there's all other noise and distractions and people watching over you. I mean, I hate people watching me play games. I've talked about that before. Yeah, so it's, it's, un- like, it, it's unnerving. And, and also the fact, too, that you're under time pressure, right? You only right. have a certain amount of yeah. time to play the game. And the other thing is, to be fair, like, you know, you're not trying to fucking set a speedrun record or anything. I mean, to some extent, you should be, like, testing stuff out. Yeah, like, you know, it's not and, just about playing well. It's about like, okay, can I do this with the controls? Can I, you know, like, can I go off and do something it doesn't expect me to do or want me to do or like that? That's valid. Not just about fucking oh, yeah. looking. I've yeah, like, I've broken my fair share of E3 demos trying bullshit. Like just yeah. like, oh, I killed the demo. Here you go. Also, it depends on the type of game too. I mean, I was playing um, Nino uh, Kuni two, mm-hmm. and if somebody would have been watching me play that. There's so many controls. I mean, the, the the demo was two different boss battles. And if you would have watched me fight the first boss, it was awful because I had no idea what I was doing. There's so many nuances in the battle that you're just – with all these games, you're just thrown in front of them. It's like it's right. the equivalent of being thrown in front of like an arcade game where you're like, oh, okay, well, I don't know what I'm doing. Let me look at the cabinet to see like what the, where the controls are. Oh, all right. Well, that does that and that does that. And it's the same thing at E3. You're just tossed in front of these games and often you're given absolutely no instructions. And, usually and you've never the, played the game before. Usually the games that are the most out there are the ones you get the best instructions on. So like, Yeah, they'll like, have somebody there. Like Project Giant Robot had somebody whose only job it was was to teach you to play that game before they really cut you loose. <laughs> oh, yep. the, the sad irony. <laughs> yeah, I know. But like, 
if they had just handed me the controller for that thing, I might have had trouble starting it because it it sure was a tech demo. Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, I was like, I was like when we played um, uh, far- Farming uh, Simulator. Oh I mean, I picked, I picked up that game and I had no idea what I was doing. Absolutely none. I, I mean, would because love it's, it's not to obvious. see direct feed of you playing Farming Simulator. It was. I mean, I couldn't play it. I didn't know what to do. Yeah, um, like, I just drove around in a tractor. That's all I knew how to do. And that game is like super popular. You wouldn't expect yeah. it, but it is. It's, it's it's like it's a huge game. And so if somebody from the farming simulator enthusiast press saw your your video of playing farming simulator, they'd probably think like, man, this <laughs> come on, fuck man. Right here. Yeah, everybody knows how to play. This. You know, you have to harvest the crops. Come on, you, you know? haven't plowed that field, asshole. Come on, who yeah, is this like, guy? What a clown. Like we would we yep. would be we would not be equipped to handle that game and so we would look like buffoons playing it. And yep. I'll tell you, Greg Greg raises a good point. Try playing a rhythm game when you can't hear it. Mm-hmm. And then and then you're yep. you, I mean there is headphones, but you've taken them off because your uh direct feed guy you're with has plugged the headphones jack into his capture device. And there aren't always headphones to begin with anyways. Yeah. That's spotty. So there's a video of me playing a rhythm game that sounds like absolute crap, and I, or I look mm-hmm. like crap playing it. I think it's a theater rhythm game because the headphone jack has been appropriated by someone who's capturing the audio. So I'm mm-hmm. trying to play theater rhythm with no audio, and it yep. looks bad, and it looks bad because I had no <laughs> chance. Mm-hmm. So th- there, I don't get mad. Like There are times where I'll laugh. Like, this is funny how bad you are at this game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's okay. Um, you know, Split Second, I watch people play it, and we're just terrible because Split Second's a weird game. It, it is on its own. Um, mm-hmm. And that was fine, though. Um, and sometimes the game's just not good. Like, it looks bad because the game's got problems. Um, so, you know, just enjoy it. Just find the worst playthrough videos of it and just enjoy that. If it's if mm-hmm. it's If it's the the industry doing it like they've handled they've brought in their influencers to play the game and they're terrible laugh at them all you want like, yeah like just, well because yeah, they probably had advanced access yeah. and rehearse the whole thing yeah whatever, give, give them a hard time if it's us and we look like crap playing the game you can give us a hard time we are enthusiast pressed we should at least be you know marginally competent but breath of the yep. wild's weird because it was so different in fact coming in yeah i guess that's okay Zelda. that might actually be okay because obviously what rob's talking about is games that are you know big established right. franchises have a bunch of conventions that you expect enthusiasts to know about but i think with breath of the wild is that that's actually one case where i could see in that setting especially of e3 your foreknowledge kind of working against you because you know, like, well, I know how a Zelda game controls. It controls like this, whereas, like, well, that one actually controls quite a bit differently in right. a number of ways. So they could actually make it a little bit worse. Well, and the demo sense. for that game isn't a normal. Like, I've played Zelda at E3 twice now, and like the demo is always we're gonna here's here's the dungeon demo, here's a boss fight demo, and here's a mini game demo. And that's not what this demo was at all. This was just the start of the game. Yeah, just just go go crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of video from E3 2016 of people just dying horribly in Zelda. But guess what? There's video of Nintendo employees dying horribly in that Zelda demo. Also, there's just like loads of little gifs of that on the internet after the game come out. Right. People share them gleefully, and it's like one of the things that's fun about the game. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I no, I don't get upset about it. It's 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 fine. 
you can make fun of it. Um, you know, EA, the EA Star Wars demo during their press conference that was again influencers uh, mm-hmm. was was bad for a lot of reasons, not least of which one of the the hired influencers, when asked if he thought it was good, said that yeah, it's all right, and then realized he was getting paid and said, actually, I'm lying. That's the best or some bullshit like that. <laughs> yeah, that was well. What's what's funny too is um. That was Golden Boy on the. Uh, I think that was that was that was EA, right? That yeah, was the, it was, yeah. That was the, the Battlefront yeah. stuff. And it's funny because he actually uh, he he does all the Halo stuff too. Yeah. So it was funny seeing him do that because he's explicitly getting paid. Yeah. He's explicitly getting paid to shill that stuff, and it was so funny because like, he's you just can like see eh. his brain realize like, I need <laughs> to say a better answer than that. <laughs> it was so amazing. I'm like, oh man, Golden Boy, good job, dude. Uh, but but like uh, in that in that be real hell that they that they put together for us of people playing that game, there were influencers who were terrible mm-hmm. at it, and like they would cut to them and they'd immediately crash. Yeah, I didn't see all of it, but man, some of those guys were just like, wow. They, yeah, they were, like, they were bad. Uh, ooh, yeah, I watched so some of it case, afterwards, and I was like, man. Yeah, I think that's a legitimate situation where you're like, look, EA, I wanted to see this game actually played well. I wanted to see what this game mm-hmm. looks like. Uh, but that's that's a different thing. That's not the press. The press is there to write about the news, to give you impressions. And you know, if you see video of somebody playing the game and they suck, and not, mm-hmm. not like this is a new game to me, I'm struggling with it, but just like they don't seem to understand video games, then yeah, just ignore their coverage. It's because you're not going to get anything out of it. But if it's us and we're screwing up, give us a hard time. We probably deserve it. Mm-hmm. Um, I say this because I didn't go to E3 this year. Next year, though. <laughs> the rules have changed. Yeah. Judge I mean, I, not, I, lest ye be judged. Yeah. I've never been to E3. I don't know if shite I'd be at any game, any given game. I, I would say, circumstances, in, so. in you're general. You're never going to catch me putting some stupid fucking comment on YouTube. Like, oh, you suck, man. <laughs> like that's, that's, yeah, I mean, just remember. It's there, like, I but mean, for the grace of God, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that's the thing. I mean, really, with any with any type of game coverage, there's always a context, right? There's always so you should never really freak out at any of that stuff. Ben writes, "Hey guys, as Guy is off gallivanting through a Scottish glen, that's very <laughs> very true. Um, probably he's probably not fully clothed either. You know, I thought it was a very good opportunity to ask you about business." We all saw Monster Hunter last week at E3, generally an impressive leap on gameplay and a good showcase of skilled AI. My question is about it being on the power consoles. That is clearly a move for the Western markets, while historically, Monster Hunter follows and or shapes the Japanese market. Is this change in strategy a move to westernize the franchise? Is it a gamble for the home turf? Is that baseless rumor about Sony true? I'm and by that meaning that Sony paid money not for exclusivity, but that Capcom would not make a but so that Capcom would not make a Switch version. These questions all have the asterisk that there is a Switch Monster Hunter. The, assuming that there is a Switch Monster Hunter coming, anyways, does this mean that the IP is splitting down two paths: Western and Eastern, open and closed, vegetarian and barbecue? Yeah. So at E3, um, you know, we got to to see Monster Hunter World, and I mean, it's you know, it's coming to it's coming to PS4 and it's coming to Xbox One, and you know, the question would be, why is it coming to Xbox One, really? Um, and but uh, <laughs> I would say this is so well, fucking. I think, it's, I think, it's so fucking weird doing so this. No, it's just kind of cold. I, yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. All right. So it's coming to Xbox One, PS4, and PC, and I think. Yep. The explanation for why it's coming to Xbox One, you know, 
so I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit. My audio screwed up, so we're restarting this email. Sorry. Um, so if we sound weird, it's because we've already talked about this once. It's coming to Xbox One, PS4, PC. And the Xbox One part is, this thing is empty framework. Yep. Getting it running on the Xbox One was probably relatively easy. Yeah, and, and probably had more to do with the fact that they were porting it to PC anyways. So right. And PC, if- PC being Capcom's main concern here, I think. Well, and the West being Capcom's main concern here as well. Yeah, exactly. If, if you're going to release this game in the West with the intention of targeting the Western markets, which some of the changes to this game do seem to be targeted that way, most importantly, isn't a mechanical change at all. It's the fact it's not on a handheld. Um, if you're targeting the Western market, then you should probably try to be on the Xbox One. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, what are we at? What are that, about 20 million consoles? Uh, but, I mean, it has to be twenty-five to thirty million by this point. Yeah, so like it's, it's it's an easily hittable target if you're using a framework that you know already works, mm-hmm. um, and you're already going after the PC. I mean, it, obviously they're not releasing this game in Japan on the Xbox One, mm-hmm. because why? Like, like there's no yeah, reason to. Yeah. There's no point. I mean, because if they release it, then they have to market it, and why market it to an install base that's virtually non-existent? Right. Ty can only buy so many copies of Monster Hunter World. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um. So I mean, definitely, they're trying to westernize the franchise. I think we've we've seen that with you know the the releases of you know like Monster Hunter Four Ultimate and stuff like that, where they're making obviously making a concerted effort to make Monster Hunter more popular, and it is getting more popular. So definitely, this makes sense in order to you know kind of. Uh, broaden the appeal of the, uh, you know, broaden the appeal of the of the franchise, you know, outside so, of Japan. I, I wonder, though, as you said, it is getting more popular outside of Japan, but Nintendo, ironically, bears a responsibility for a lot of that because yep. they're the ones who've been who've been pushing the series in in America. You know, they've been running the marketing for this game in a lot of ways. For the for the three DS games, you know they've been featuring them prominently. They've been giving them the spotlight, mm-hmm. and, and Capcom has made strides on making those games less, for lack of a better word, fucking atrocious to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, those games do, do, historically have not given a shit if you can figure out what these games are. Mm-hmm. Like they just don't. They don't. They're not. They're not welcoming. And and you, we we had the episode where you and I talked about playing the Monster Hunter was it four, for you demo? Uh, uh, no, it wasn't. It was the old one on Wii, Monster Hunter Three. It was try. No, 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 the one where we played or, the demo online on 3ds. Oh right, right. Okay, that one. Yeah, yeah. the, the, yep, yeah. the yeah. try demo was on a disc, right? It was. Yeah, yeah the try demo was on a disc at GameStops. Uh, yeah, the good uh, old days. Yeah. So, yes. like. I, I I was trying to learn Monster Hunter while you were basically trying to get me to play it correctly, mm-hmm. and at some point I just had the insect glaive and was running around screaming. Um, yeah, not not the first choice that I would make as a weapon, but however, but the game let you and then mm-hmm. didn't and gave you some prompts that weren't great mm-hmm. um, on how to use the insect glaive, but mm-hmm. like yeah, like it's it's well yeah it's it's tough to get people to learn a game where where an intrinsic part of the gameplay is figuring out how the monster behaves on your own. Right. And how your, your, your particular weapon is good against it. And here's yes. the thing about what Monster Hunter does. And Monster Hunter is a series that rewards preparation. It's, it's about getting yourself ready to go whatever, on whatever hunt you're looking for. 
And mm-hmm. some of that is is you know mentally prepared. I know how I'm going to fight this thing. I've done my recon, how to deal with it. I know where it is. I know how to find it. I know how to kill it. Um, and some of it is just preparing your supplies, preparing your weapons, preparing your food. Like there's that whole box you drop supplies in before the mission, mm-hmm. which is goofy in and of itself. There's just a box you put your stuff in. Um, but you know, there's a game that came out this year that has very similar concepts on Switch that we all talked about. Mm-hmm. And I, I would, I mean, I would also argue that that the Nintendo audience is now the incumbent audience for Monster Hunter. Sure. And Cap, I mean, Capcom knows that. Yeah. Um, you know. But there's a way to do what Capcom tries to do in Monster Hunter way more approachably. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, you could argue. You could conceivably argue that not really, because a lot of the Monster Hunter clones that popped up on Vita after it made the PlayStation Switch uh, are equally not super approachable. Mm-hmm. Um, but Zelda is very approachable. You know, it's not as complicated systems-wise as, as Monster Hunter is, obviously. But that's some of what they're dealing with in world. They're sanding down some of those systems. Yeah, and probably um, kind of introducing monster hunter with sort of with new types of gameplay sort of a new gameplay paradigm it still is it's still you still do move from area to area the difference being though that it's seamless right you know um you don't have any any kind of load screens or anything like that you are in one big area you're just moving through zones on a large map now as opposed to moving from zone from enclosed zone to enclosed zone to enclosed zone so there's still different biomes it's just it's is it basically again Zelda like where like this this suddenly bright and visible line is where the the cold starts? Probably you just, you just walk yeah. through it. Yeah, that was it. Was hard to tell from the theater demo they had at E three. I don't recall That's because true. it was it was very focused. It was, yeah, it was very focused on the battle. Um, and you know, could could they could they put Monster Hunter Worlds on Switch? It's empty framework, so they could certainly port it. Uh, my concern would be, you know, the AI with several creatures at once and stuff like that. Um, but and we, I mean, we don't know how compli- I mean, we don't know how complicated the AI is and how much of it's just scripting. Like, oh, in this environment, I do this. Yeah, or if you encounter this monster, do right. this particular thing. Or, right? or versus emergent behavior where it goes like, or it actually makes some decisions. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean that's. I didn't see anything visually that jumped out at me. It's like, ooh, maybe at 900p, this wouldn't work still. Yeah, uh, yep. Yeah, and I, I mean, and it's not like they're completely ignoring the Monster Hunter crowd. I mean, obviously, you know, they have a game coming to Switch. It's a port of an existing game, roughly. Um, well, it's, it's a maybe. port of a version of an existing game at, at that. So it's it's Monster Hunter yeah. Double Cross, which is the, the plus one year version of Monster Hunter Cross. Yep. Uh, but at the same time, Capcom completely fucked up their messaging. Um, in an interview with Game, was it with GameSpot, where they said that we have no plans to bring Monster Hunter Double Cross to the West, and then they like, then they came back later and Hazel said, "At this time, yeah, uh, they kind of backtracked on that." Um, I, I, I just when when a company says that, and then they add on the "at this time" later, to me that screams the "at this time" is as is not actually part of the sentence. Like they just they threw that in there because they realized they fucked up the statement. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they're bringing Monster Hunter Double Cross to the West, honestly. No, I don't think so. Um, I do think, I, I mean, I think they're gonna they're gonna bring Monster Hunter Five. I think they're gonna bring the next mainline version 
to but the Switch. But in the same interviews, they've been saying this is the next mainline version. That Monster Hunter yeah. World is the mainline version. They dropped the 5 because it's that whole thing where like, oh, this is the fifth game. I don't know if this is for me. Yeah, but that's the point, isn't it? Is that this game is trying to reach out to people. But, right. You know, mm-hmm. maybe... Um, they feel like uh, might might have some kind of interest in the game, but they haven't been able to kind of close the deal with them, and that you know, being on these consoles and having this level of graphical power and doing away with some of the series conventions and whatnot, that uh, that you know that they can make a play for them. Um, but at the same time, we know that the series, with all its established conventions and sort of weird, you know, sort of. Uh, the esoteric nature and all that has a very loyal fan base um you know and i don't think they're going to stop serving that <laughs> anytime yep. soon either so mm-hmm. it's natural for them to say you know when this is their new product like oh yeah this is this is the real deal you know this is the the, the next big monster hunter game and all this kind of stuff and yeah but i I do feel like it's a play for them to to, you know as as is suggested in the question by ben in terms of westernizing the franchise but not necessarily to the exclusion of the other games like you know like like Mm -hmm. it would only be that way i feel like you know i said it's got a you know a, a very dedicated fan base in japan they've made some progress with it as you mentioned earlier uh, in other markets but they probably also feel like there's a there's a limit to that you know there's only so yeah. sort of popular it can get in that form um but i don't think they're just going to cast that off altogether if if this is successful or whatever and i could see switch being you know very well positioned to you know, receive those uh, very more traditional Monster Hunter games, if nothing else, because of its nature as a portable, you know, uh, a, a device which is you know, where the series has found its the, the greatest success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I also think this will give them more leeway with what they do with the Switch version when it eventually does come out. You know, so if this game succeeds, they could turn around and say, okay, well, the next one's coming to Switch too. Well, yeah, or or rather say this new this this slightly upgraded or expanded style of gameplay is now what we're going to use with the Switch version. And everybody right. would be like, "Oh, okay. Well, I'm already familiar with that from the PS4 version or Xbox One version or PC version or whatever." And or I live know. in Japan and don't own any of those things and therefore <laughs> uh, So yeah. we t- we we talked about this in the first recording of this question. So I don't have any I don't have a clean segue for it. So I'm just going to give the give the game away on that. Um, the the inclusion of the PC version is important for Capcom outside of Japan and North America and Europe, um, because in 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 places like Russia, in places like China, in places like Korea, um, while consoles have entered this space, while historically they were harder to get in there, um, they're they're they are not the as deeply penetrated as gaming on the PC is. Um, it's mm-hmm. just, it just kind of the nature of what sells in those regions. Yeah, um, also it, a lot more piracies. Oh, too. totally, yeah. Uh, Russia, now, Russia is, is like the piracy capital of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there already is there already is a Monster Hunter game in China, if I recall. There is. There's a, there is a China... Monster Hunter Online. There's a China-focused game called Monster Hunter Online. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's any good or not, but again, it's a PC game. And, and it has, is, like, higher quality models, right, than, than anything yeah, yeah, the did. series had ever had before. Because they, <laughs> they weren't, they weren't up-resed, up-resed PS2 to beat the 3DS models. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Um, it's, it was kind of, Monster Hunter had kind of turned into the joke you make about Polyphony Digital's game, where it would be, like, 
this version has 800 cars in it, but 750 of them are from the PS2. <laughs> um, so, nah. like, there, there's a weird... There's a market they've not been able to serve um, because this kind of game should be successful at a place like Korea. You know, it, does, it sort of fits the mold of what their market would be interested in. And the 3DS was available in Korea. You could you could buy it and you could play the games on it. So that's a, that was a, a safe home for it. Um, I don't know what the PS4 situation is in, in South Korea. I can't imagine it's great. It's not great in Japan either. But the PC is at least a platform where you can enter markets anywhere in the world as long as somebody can get by can get around whatever they need to to be able to download the game and there may be some some you know ip restrictions or whatever you can get their money from them Um, that's that's a big difference from you know other stuff like trying to sell it as a raw ps4 game although again ps4 is region region free and whatever so there's there's room there but it's a step towards making this a more worldwide game than yeah. It's than, expanding its reach, not just Westernized, you know, like you said, right. other markets that are not just you know, but but certainly you know, some of the changes that have been kind of suggested uh, with the early showing of Monster Hunter World seems like the kind of things you would expect them to do if you're trying to make a, you know, a greater appeal to you know Western console gamers as well you know as well yeah. but it's not just about that it's about it's, it's about broadening the reach in general and I think uh, the market's been primed for sort of for Monster Hunter to go the route of games as a service oh god yeah that's, if you want that's... to talk if you want to talk business that's you know yeah you like, want to talk hard business like destiny like ghost recon wildlands like like, uh, uh, like the Division, destiny coming from coming from bioware you know, which is also destiny an- anthem yeah yeah um could all, that all game that have thing, been I mean, any more destiny as an aside it's well yeah i mean it's it's destiny's x mass effect you know <laughs> it was seeing x titanfall two, basically seeing those two together it's like oh man guys yeah it, and i mean it looks to me it looks good but it also looks utterly derivative yeah, but and, and then you know, but then again, it's it's right. going up against a game with one of the worst stories ever. Yeah, so so, so yeah, Bio, Bioware stories. You're right. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> touche. So yeah, I mean, if this if the next Monster Hunt, Monster Hunter is games as a service, it will absolutely be on Switch because mm-hmm. you don't you don't cut yourself off at the face with games as a service. But you know. Capcom makes one of these games every year. They don't make a new game every year. They make a game, and then they make a version of game. And we touched, talked about one. Monster Hunter Cross. Monster Hunter Double Cross. Mm-hmm. Monster Hunter 4. Monster Hunter 4U. Monster Hunter 3 got... This happened three times, because there was... was it, it was Try, then it was 3 on 3DS, and then it was, what, 3U on the Wii U? Um, yeah. Like this is this is this is part of the pattern, and it's entirely plausible that the Switch wasn't in a place that they could port the game to it at the time, or they felt like they just didn't want to. No, because that maybe you know if it, uh, the construction that Ben sets up about two paths, you know, may, maybe you know Monster Hunter on Switch is going to be more, you know, like the successor to the three way three DS has been. That's kind of core Monster Hunter, the base of Monster Hunter, and then you know the the, the more sort of expansionist forays uh, are, are going to be on other consoles. So it's not even necessarily so much a a technical barrier as it is just a kind of um, you know where the players are. So yeah, but if they come out with Monster Hunter World, 
awesome or whatever dumb bullshit <laughs> subtitle they'll give. To. I was gonna say Monster Hunter World U, but that's somehow even worse. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's entirely plausible it could be there for that. They could just go like, okay, now it's on Switch too. Yeah, well, that's a, but I guess that's a, it would be at such a point that you've seen, you know, what that other kind of approach has has produced you know and then it's going to be okay well now that we've seen how people have responded to it what does you know sort of seem to work about it and maybe what doesn't then you can think about okay well you know actually that could be a fit for this other platform or whatever i mean it's just for me there's a bigger question about all this is not so much the way that capcom sort of handled monster hunter so much as just um the way they've handled Switch in general is is yes. more curious to me. You know, like it just because we we've had those reports about them being able to you know influence Nintendo to actually change the hardware. Um, you know, to to, to make changes uh, in memory, wasn't it? Uh, you know yep. that, that they wanted to have for the purposes of bringing presumably you know, their MT framework stuff to it without too much trouble. And then, yeah, you know, what 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 is it exactly? That you know, bringing over to this thing, it just that that's the the curious they, part to me. Yeah, you know, they, they did. Can, they did. They it. can be close enough to have that kind of pull with Nintendo at that level of decision making, and yet also have so little. Uh, you know, an old you know, Street Fighter two, and then Double Cross. You know, games which are not uh, particularly sort of ambitious. Uh, you, <laughs> no. know, uh, you know, but they have a lot of name cachet, and I don't want to sort of write them off as like completely irrelevant. But certainly, you know, from a development perspective and a creative perspective, like right, very, very, you know, kind of uh, safe kind of things. No, no, no particular kind of ambition there. So, yeah, that that's what makes me uh, sort of ra- so... raise an eyebrow a bit. Rel- not so much Monster Hunter World's absence, but just the absence of other things. Yeah, so to put some perspective here, Capcom actually did a stage presentation with Nintendo's hardware people. Like at a, I want to say it was at, it was at a Japanese event. I'm blanking on where. Actually, it may have been at um, oh damn it, there there was a a, a show they were at. And they did a, they did a presentation talking about Switch. Like a Capcom person and a Nintendo person on stage, and what's Capcom got to show for it? Fuck all. Um, you know they put out an estate. They put out a. a statement or they they said it somewhere that they've got the engine for re7 running on switch and that they view it as a viable platform for games it's like okay so why um and before the show recorded not before this question was recorded we kind of ran through in in a lead up talking about this um because of course you know as as a disclaimer we know matt who was working on this game and in fact demoed it at e3 um you know, we were just talking about the state of Japanese publishers on Switch and the fact that a lot of them aren't there or they, they've announced stuff but have, don't have anything to show for it. You know, they've announced four games, none are out. Six games, one is out. You know, two games, none are out. You know, really only a handful of players seem to be all the way in. Um, and so, and they're, they're ones that you'd expect, like Koei Tecmo, who's making a game with Nintendo. So yeah, they're making games on Switch. Um, you know, we have some of the smaller players in Japan who are saying, we make games, they will be on Switch. Uh, because they feel like that's that's a platform where their game works particularly well. Um, but Capcom's not among them. Capcom's announced two games. Monster Hunter Double Cross, which honestly doesn't look like it's coming to the West. And... Mm-hmm. 
uh, was it Street Fighter Two Ultra Street Fighter Two, which you know I think I've seen reports that they were kind of approached to make that game, and then they went and charged forty bucks for it. So like whatever, yo. But you know we don't hear anything about any of these franchises that you would normally expect to see associated with Nintendo handheld or Nintendo system. Mm-hmm. So it's entirely plausible that the Japanese publishers by and large didn't put a lot of stock in Switch. And much like their Western counterparts are now having to kind of figure out what to do with it. Because mm-hmm. the one publisher that did, who had a Switch launch game really, was Konami. They made an exclusive <laughs> Switch fucking launch game. And it's a bad, bad Bomberman game. And it sold super well. And it sold so well, it seems to have shamed them into making it a passable Bomberman game through patches. <laughs> Which is uh, amazing. I'm sorry, just the yeah. thought of Konami having shame has made me giggle. I know, it's, it's, that's what's amazing about it. Of all people, they managed, to, they, they managed to, to feel like we should probably fix this game. And they did. They fixed it multiple times. It made it a decent game. Mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't the first time that you know everybody's kind of taken a an initial pass on Nintendo hardware and then came back and, you know... No, no, on, I, you so. know, I, I don't think there's anything particularly surprising about that in general. Mm-hmm. What, what surprises me is the fact that Capcom could be close enough to exert influence right. on that system and but have yeah. so little in the oven for it at the same time. That's the... Yeah. You think if you are that close to it, you know, that the, the, you know, that uh, your opinion carries weight, you think they, they would have had more skin in the game for Nintendo to kind of uh, find that persuasive. Uh, but um, Think, yeah, think about the other stuff they haven't announced, like the Disney Afternoon Collection and the Mega Man Collection. Some of these Mega Man Collection games are from Nintendo platforms. Mm-hmm. Like... We we hear that the the people making Disney Afternoon Capcom never even approached them about considering a Switch version. Yeah, uh, it, it's entirely possible. And apparently, that this... well, well, and the the second Mega Man Collection is not being handled by Digital Eclipse, but actually in house. Yes. So this is this is purely a, a Capcom uh, effort at this point. So certainly, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of odd. Um, but as you've kind of alluded to with the performance of the Switch, it might, you know, there, there might be a course correction coming. Although, I mean, you know, it, it, it's got off to a pretty good start in Japan. It certainly got to a million units much faster than PS4 did. Uh, oh, yeah. And, 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 and by extension, much faster than what Wii U did. Um, but it has been supply constrained as well. I think we could all see that it would have got there faster than it has. But it's still obviously nothing compared to how fast things uh, got to a million units back in the day. You know, a PS2 scenario or a DS or something like that. But, uh, you know, there's certain realities with the Japanese yeah, market at this point. Which is just about to cross a million in Japan. But keep keep in mind that in japan there's only about 4.8 ps4s in the market no exactly you know I mean? yeah it's, it's it's on pace to catch like that's the thing and it's oh no and like i said it, it, it i think it you know it sort of reached that million point of about half the time that ps4 yeah. did and i while being supply constrained with this whole you know flash memory it seems to be the thought to be the primary culprit right the, yeah um you know and that, that that amount of flash memory is actually kind of scarce for you know, yeah because everybody of, puts it in their cell phone yeah it's a and bunch there's... of devices competing for it uh basically it's 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 the crazy part about as we've moved towards like every device is essentially built out of the same parts is that 
that means lots of there's people only so point. many of them to go around <laughs> but yeah, eventually you run out of them um so th- there is there is a a certain irony to them making this out of more standard parts versus nintendo's usual bullshit like what if we keep using power pcs <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. but like at least if then you're not bidding against somebody else for power pcs you, you're calling ibm going hey we want a new power pc and they're like wait what yeah sure we could do that yep um but at some point yeah the the japanese publishers especially who are trying to make games targeting japan will have to make a consideration do we make sure our games are built in such a way that while they may look better on ps4 we can downport them to switch or do we commit and make games that we know will not run on switch they are simply too much um and something like monster hunter is going to take the first approach because they know where their bread is buttered. It's you know they know. Oh yeah, so they have a base. They have they have a reliable right. uh, fan base that will buy these things. Yeah, even though I mean there was some, you know, sort of feeling that Double Cross when it came out on 3DS was a bit of a soft landing, and that's some of the reason why Switch version of that quickly happened was because they're trying to you know gin up the sales on it. Uh, right. You know to kind of make up for the shortfall a little bit. But in general, you know those games in Japan have done very well. Uh, and you know the thing about the switch is the you know it has that essential quality of you know that kind of multiplayer culture that's so important with monster Hunter in japan of being portable um that you know you just you just whatever monster hunter world is and goes on to be and you know kind of all that, it, it it you know being on ps4 and xbox one and pc it, it can't substitute for that entirely right. can it. it is in, inherently a bit of a different branch just on the absence of that kind of play alone they, they will need to at some point figure out what they want to do with that with that franchise if they want to continue to make money in japan mm-hmm. like and and you know they may say going online is fine because there are pc online games in japan that are successful enough like it mm-hmm. i don't know what their long-term goal is and it would be you know, it would be presumptive of me to go like, well, obviously they're going to make a Switch version of this game. They have to. But, you know, I, I think their their intentions will be very clear to read in the next two or three years. Um, one, of the, yeah. one, of the, one of the things that's super apparent, I don't think anybody here will dispute, is that the Japanese publishers simply were not ready for Switch. Because, we, and we talked about it again, that there, nothing really came out in May. And there was definitely a slot there for somebody who had a game ready in May. No, yeah, that was a but real opportunity. Nobody that, did. That, 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 that was a real opportunity, and Street Fighter Two ended up getting it. But you kind of feel like there could have been any number of uh, you know traditional sort of major Japanese publishers, or maybe not even Japanese, but some you know could could have effectively had that slot to themselves, um, and maybe done more with it than what. Street Fighter 2 did because of you know what it is you know fundamentally a you know 25 year old game right. uh, and or indeed you could just look at it as a nine year old game or you know on the basis yeah, it's, it's of the, the Xbox 360 uh, game the XBLA I mean there are differences but you know right. um, it's fundamentally yeah. very similar so I mean, yeah and, it, and, it's, in all it's, fairness I mean the Wii U stunk it up so but yeah but uh, no, well, no, it totally. did but I, I suppose I suppose <laughs> the, the the flip side of that is that the Wii U was a dead system 
not walking uh, <laughs> for a long time so that you know that the the you know the sort of onset of a successor was was something that you know everybody was expecting for quite a while yeah. you want to move on from from that uh, system that didn't do very well and like i said capcom were obviously you know really deep in there so you would have thought they'd be as prepared as anybody Right. Uh, but uh, evidently, that 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 if that was the bar for being as prepared for anybody, it still wasn't very high. Well, it's like this is kind of the the tightrope that Nintendo always walks, right? So if you're Capcom, you're looking at you're looking at the PS4. Hey, what is the PS4? Ah, the PS4. It's just like the PS3, only better. Uh, what's the Switch? Well, you know, it's going to be mobile. You got these detachable Joy-Cons and they're, you know, you can use them like normal joysticks, but then we also sell a pro controller and then you can stand it up and play it on a tabletop. You're like, okay, what? Hold on a second. What the hell? Right. Well, so actually, like, I would I would argue for you the PS4. It's nothing like the PS3 because you can actually make games on it. <laughs> well, well, that's yeah, probably I mean, what Capcom early, heard. Yeah, but, the early phase PS3. <laughs> but I mean, sort of. conceptually... Xbox, Xbox, Xbox 360 and Xbox One, same concept. PS3, PS4, same concept. Right. Well, that's Wii the thing. I mean, you got to say, actually, totally different. Very Microsoft different. Microsoft kind of got punished for for not being could sort of you know, for trying to stretch the concept a bit, didn't they? You know, right. exactly. The whole yep. for oh well, actually, it's uh, you know, the all your home entertainment kind of collapsed into one thing and connect and all this stuff, and you know that uh, you know that actually set them back. They would have been better just selling it as no, it really is just like the 360, but better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Publishers don't like change; they no. don't like it as much as they bullshit about we have to keep charging this industry for it. No. You want a new version of last generation's console so you can make a new first person shooter. Well, for to it. be no, honest, no, they exactly. want a new version really of want. last generation's console so they can port last generation's version to it. Oh, and also just now, <laughs> yes. you go to thirty five ninety nine. The games yep. as service thing. It's not even so much about versions anymore. It's about it's true, it's yeah. loot boxes. How can, how can you yeah. keep making money off the same game? Uh, can I port updates. last generation's game to this generation and then add loot boxes and make you pay for the privilege of it? Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I think. The, the Fuck you, Activision. Fundament- <laughs> we're, so, we're so cynical. Fundamentally, I, I think you know, Monster Hunter has got a secure future on Switch of some sort. I guess the question mm-hmm. is how much, you know, how successful is the Monster Hunter world going to be, and then what kind of feedback loop gets established between that and like the more traditional. Uh, aspect of the series does it start to influence you know do they say actually you know we're going to make all Monster Hunter games on all platforms more like this one or does it become a sort of uh, you know successful uh, branch but that remains quite discreet uh, from the other so I guess that would be uh, my question or of course it could just you know flop there's always right. that I mean, but, it, it could do anything. Uh, or it could it, just be this is it this is in the all of the in all of these scenarios right though i think nintendo the you know, switch will have uh you know monster hunter games coming for it in some form but i guess perhaps the success or, or failure of world might uh, affect how we you know, how those games sort of are shaped in the future yeah, yeah i mean i'd be very surprised if we if we 
don't see a Monster Hunter game on Switch by the end of 2018. I'd be very, very surprised. Yeah, I think, I think an actual original. Now, yeah, yeah, like yeah, like an actual new entry as opposed. One to One year from Cross. now, we will be talking about a Monster Hunter on Switch, or we will know for a fact that Capcom really did not prepare for the Switch. Like they really were on the offsides, going like, "This thing's not going to work." Um, I, I think, I think it'll be very apparent if a year from now they have nothing to show in that space that they really weren't ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I suspect they will be forced to get ready. Anyway, we're going to read one last email, and I'm going to read it because it's it's not long. Um, and it feels like we've been recording this show for like six hours, but it is what it is. David from California writes, Hey, RFN crew. Everyone was expecting Retro Studios to show their new game at this year's E3, yet they didn't show up. When do you think they'll reveal their new game? And do you think... They are too busy eating prime rib. Thanks. And keep up the great work. I mean, this episode is not... Is, great work is not included in this episode. We cannot deliver on the impossible. I mean, it, it was brisket, though, right? Not prime rib. It was brisket. Yeah, it's brisket. They they are they are big. Like, prime rib, whatever. But, like, real, like, smoked brisket is... I like prime rib, man. Prime rib, really prime rib is fine, but like prime rib shit, you go get at Arby's, man. Oh, come brisket, on, man! Brisket oh, is created by artisans. Get out of here. Like they stand <laughs> yeah, I'm up. I'm not by debating the... that fact, but yeah, I think like, I, like prime you know, rib. Get, get, what, are you, what are you a plebe? Lay off get the prime the shit rib. Shit out of here. Lay off the prime rib, bro. Like I, if it's not <laughs> been smoked for 97 hours, I don't want it. I want to know that somebody's family is at home and lonely while this is being made, or it won't taste as good. Mm-hmm. So you want to eat Snoop Dogg, basically, is what you're saying. <laughs> no! That's not what I'm saying at all. Where the fuck did that come from? You know Snoop Dogg's been smoking for 97 hours? Come on. Oh, God. Anyway, yeah, I, I, I just got this image of like a sort of giant creature smoking for Snoop Dogg while he yeah. is himself smoking drugs or, or that. Yeah, so, <laughs> sort of an infinite regression thing going on. Oh, uh, I, I, um, where is Retro's new game? And the obvious answer yeah. is any variation of uh, in a smoker. Uh, well, but, yeah, I mean, okay, so uh, it's not this, it's this not a about, Metroid, and it's not Metroid yeah. Prime Four. So, yeah. No, but this is about this. This is about the only thing I didn't get hundred percent wrong in the predictions. I think you sure didn't. In that, I, I, I I didn't think Retro's game would be Metroid. Um, so I wasn't particularly convinced it would show up this year either. Although I thought it could do, considering you know the time frame since uh, Tropical Freeze, but I didn't think it was a lock. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, so clearly it's not a surprise to me that it's not Metroid. Um, it's a little bit surprising given that there are actually two Metroid projects, I guess. But, yes. you know, it does seem like basically... And Tana- made in Spain, of all places. Basically, well, it does seem like, though, that, you know, Tanabe, um, you know, is kind of concluded his work with retro (laughs) you know like he's not really um you know uh, coordinating their work anymore the way he used to so now you know if there's and he is the metro prime producer so you know we've had metro prime federation force that he was involved with and then you know we're gonna have metro prime 4 that he's involved with but it basically seems like the sort of metroid prime 
you know, part of that divorce, if it is a divorce, you know, he's got to keep that, not them. Uh, it would seem they got the car. He got he got the, Samus. Yeah, pretty much uh, Samus when you're seeing through her eyes rather than uh, <laughs> in a side-scrolling perspective. But you know, uh, what, when are we going to see it? As we've discussed, I mean, before Nintendo's approach with E3 these days, I think they've taken a narrower sort of focus. They have other venues, they have other you know sort of chances to talk about stuff. So it doesn't mean that it would necessarily be a haul of a year until we would see it I think it's possible we could see it sooner certainly I mean god if he was going to use the same standard of we can just show a logo like the way they did with Prime 4 they could show it two years ago yeah exactly I mean at at this point though uh, can we agree that it's a console game and not handheld it's not a 3DS game well let let me take a second I will agree it is not a 3DS game I will not agree that there's not some other fucking piece of hardware we don't know about that this thing could be on (laughs) <laughs> like N- N- Nintendo could curveball the shit out of us and just be like, "Here's here's the 4DS, well, fuckers. Have fun." I think if anything, I think we'll hear about it maybe around Christmas time, uh, or at least maybe January would be actually in that more in sensible. that like right before the end of the year thing where they talk about some stuff coming. Yeah, I mean, I would think like I think that because I think this would be a console game and retro and it's highly anticipated. Everybody's been wondering what they're doing. I would think that Nintendo would maybe have its own direct. I, I would think it would be a major. Uh, where I, I'm going I with this, think, I think see, it would be a major project. That's what makes it, me. It wouldn't think be something they would just leak out, you know. That's what makes me think we're not going to see it until the next E3. Because why would they show it in a direct? Because they here. All right, the Metroid title card, mm-hmm. which which honestly I thought kind of sucked. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a title card. It can only suck or, so bad. But like, I just it, you know it. It was kind of lame. Like it's just, oh, it's Galaxy. We're zooming out now. That looks like a, that looks vaguely like the Metroid logo and the number four. Oh my god! Like it was just kind of shitty. Like I, they, if they just walked out and said, "Metroid Four is in development," bye. Like I would almost appreciate the expediency of that rather than. The, I, the, I don't know. I don't even know what you want anymore, James. Panning zoom. I, what, I want. What do you? What do you want? I mean, I want Ogre Final Battle Three, John. It's what I want. <laughs> the Final Fantasy remake <laughs> no, is being no. made, James. What more do you want? I don't fucking care about Final Fantasy Seven, John. Yeah. He wants. He wants the. He doesn't want Ogre Battle Three. He wants the logo for it. <laughs> I want a slow say, now in development zoom for Switch. of the Ogre Battle logo. Yes, exactly. That's what I want. But but it's I would think that when they show Retro's next thing, it's going to be fully developed. It's going to be playable. It's going to be showable. Um, yeah, I mean, because that's the thing. I mean, the, the Prime Four thing is the exception mostly. You know, right? Like, and they even I mean, said I mean, that. They, the they only mean, even obviously we're talking about a three DS game here. But look at Metroid uh, Samus Returns. You know, like that game is basically done. Right. And, you know, it's been in development for two years. And yes, there was, you know, the reporting that Nintendo Life had about Mercury Steam sort of pitching a Metroid game to Nintendo a few years ago. But basically, other than that, we've had no inkling that this was happening. And then, you know, once it's basically finished, they say, guess what? This is happening. Um, so, yeah, but when we see Retro's game, it could be quite far along. 
and I would say and not for so you know I I certainly wouldn't rule out you know it being I'd be let's put it this way I'd be shocked if you know next year's E3 comes along and we still haven't heard anything about it after that you know unless it got rebooted I, I, I could see them doing this I could see them dropping something at the end of a direct in January and just saying oh by the way Retro is working on a game and we'll tell you more about it in the months to come. I guess the interesting then, part about this, goes nuts. Though, the interesting part about this, though, is, you know, what cachet does retro I say have? that's the thing. I don't think beyond the the enthusiast media and its consumers, retro has a bunch of cachet. I think... Metroid but yeah, Prime but even, 4, even for the enthusiast people, like, a lot of their cachet is bound up in Metroid Prime. And that's right. exactly. a separate yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean, like, to, that, to, that, to, to go with the quote, Donkey Kong, quote, fucking Donkey Kong? Question mark, exclamation point? Like, yeah. You're right. Like, there's this thought that they are the people who make Metroid Prime. And Nintendo's press re- – or not press release. The press kit, the PDF, such as it is. It wasn't even a press kit. It was just a PDF. Spent a lot of time saying, a team of very highly talented developers assembled. as is, is like, okay, you're telling us don't freak out. It's not retro. It's not it. retro. You don't know who these mm-hmm. people are, but they're awesome. Trust us. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, re- that, retro that, to me is kind of like rare where a lot of the reason why people love them is based on what they did – you know, oh, and also you got to talk about the tra- the the personnel turnover, right? Like, you know, yeah. if you go back, yeah. I mean, your Metro Prime Three was a long time ago now. Mm-hmm. How it's many people company. are left? You know, at this point, you know, a lot of you know, people went off to form Armature and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, you know, and like I said, and the Tanabe thing, because I don't think obviously the Donkey Kong games were a result of their work with Tanabe also. Right. Uh, but you know, I think we could safely conclude that that phase of their life is over. You know, that whatever they're doing for the Nintendo now is not you know being overseen by him, presumably. So, yeah, you know, uh, it's it's interesting how you would handle it in terms of like, yeah. okay, you know, this is the next game from Retro. Why should you be excited about that? Is you know, is it? because you were someone who liked the DK games? Is it because you're someone who liked the Metroid games? Or is it because of what this unknown game is? is uh, I, I still continue to think that it's going to be something that, you know, is trying to fill a niche that, especially because of this sort of, um, you know, un- slow reaction from third parties or, you know, disinterest from third parties or whatever, it's going to try and fill a niche you know, in the Switch's lineup uh, that, uh, you know, the the rest of Nintendo's developers, you know, don't naturally fill. Um, and I think that might be more the, the, the why you're supposed to get excited about it. You know, it's like it's something new. Oh, uh, that, that, that would be my guess, but that is still a guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's I I mean we have no proof that Retro Studios as it stands can make a good game on their own without a lot of supervision. Nope. Because they they hadn't before Nintendo came in the door. And yep. the thing the thing is like there it's it's debatable what the people who left for Armature have produced as a consequence of that. Mhm. Like they they've made a couple things. They made that game for Microsoft and with um with the help of his uh his royal con man himself uh, what was that game called um the, the game where they had like robots oh <laughs> the game where they had zombies it was, it was all right jerk 
<laughs> uh, well, they made uh, Armature made uh, they made that um, Arkham Blackgate, right? Didn't they? That they did yes, make, they did make right. Arkham Origins Blackgate. Um, yep. They made Recore. That was the game I was thinking about. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Re- right. Recore within a phone. Yeah, calm. You know, James, it makes me laugh when you call me a jerk because I know you've been actually wounded. Yeah, Recore. You're a real piece of shit, John Lindemann. Uh, uh, they made uh, they made sorry, the uh, they made the Vita port of the Metal Gear Solid uh, HD collection. They made Arkham Origins Blackgate. They made an Injustice port for Vita. Yeah, and they, they, and they the offer un- and they offered to do a, a Wii U port of the Unreal Engine that's unnecessary now yeah. for Bloodstained. Um, uh, and that, they, that version. Today. Yeah, their only real original game that I can see on here that's come out is Recore. But like I said, and, I mean, look, mm-hmm. you you don't know all these things. You know, like I said, a large part of the personnel's kind of got scattered across different places now. I mean, the right. all of that history, I don't know what it's worth anymore. To be honest, it doesn't mean I'm not interested yeah. in what Retro is going to be doing. Because I for one, I for one actually really like those DK games they're for a start, games. and that you know yeah. that was not like that's not ancient history by any means. Uh, but even though you know it does seem like um, you know this may well be quite a different project as i said i mean i still kind of think that you know they've got to go back to the dk well at some point because i think they've they've been selling too many units not to um but for now you've got kirby and yoshi um you know and all that kind of stuff and i think they've probably been grooming somebody else you know monster games to take over that series so for now i think the the, the the place where retro's game could fit in lies elsewhere but in terms of just the quality of the work I think it was very good. Well, so, I, like I mean, said, has yeah. Next Level been working with Tanabe? Like, yeah, well, a- well, Next, yeah, Next Level did, uh, yeah, with Federation Force. Uh. That's true. Like, but like, they've obviously got other. I mean, it's entirely possible Tanabe could still be working with them. Like, we can't. It's we can't, possible. It just it, it does it does seem like there's been you know some some uh, you know there've been sort of reports and suggestions of a bit of of a rupture there mm. and, it, and it seems like perhaps you know if Tanabe is is handling Metroid Prime 4 without them perhaps you know that, that that's the uh, you know the end of that kind of collaboration but we, we don't know we don't yeah. know exactly what kind of what the situation is but I will say what the game definitely is because we do know this and it is definitely brisket related it is Texas Brisket Challenge starring Tony Romo and Tony Nitus. Romo <laughs> yeah, and Nidus Nidus isn't even his dog <laughs> But the Jerry Rice license was worth less. Nidus is expanding the brand. Yeah, Nidus has dumped uh, Jerry Rice for a, a more recent model. Well, yeah, he's now, he's now a highly paid influencer. Jerry so. Rice seems like an actual legitimate content. I'm no Niners fan, so it doesn't bring me pleasure. Yeah. He's a legitimate contender for like best NFL player ever at like, any position. I, yeah, but... I refuse to believe that Romo is any kind of upgrade on that. <laughs> Yeah, but did did he get on TV for Danny Jessica Simpson? He did not, and therefore Nidus <laughs> Nidus has made his choice. Nidus has got his own career to worry about. He can't be he can't be hamstrung by a star of a of a bygone era. This is correct. <sighs> I like I like that the biggest indignity of this episode is my bullshit like Texas brisket <laughs> challenge that's just adding pluses like it's fucking Nintendo Dogs plus cats at this point. <laughs> and the biggest indignity is that I replaced Jerry Rice with Tony Romo. 
It's just, it's not a trade up, all right? I mean, I didn't got... say it was a trade up. <laughs> I since when, since when has a team ever made a trade up when trading for a quarterback? Also, it's always a trade freak dogs, out. Dogs yeah. are I... intrinsically loyal creatures. They would not abandon Jerry Rice. <laughs> 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 I don't know. It was a decision made by Nidus's agent, not by Nidus himself. Uh, it's not personal. It's just <laughs> business. Mm-hmm. It's. It's, just, it's, it's always just business. Oh, so you can stay tuned. If you check back in exactly 365 days, you will have seen Texas Brisket Challenge starring Tony Nidus, Romo, Nidus, and, plus Cats. And, o, and o, Odell Beckham. And Odell Beckham. <laughs> no, just, just, just his shoes. Um, it was the final boss, the kicking cage thing. <laughs> 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 it's the final smoker, please. It's uh, and it will not, absolutely not feature prime rib. I, or excuse me. Please uh, <laughs> keep dissing prime rib, man. <laughs> Somebody has look, to defend look, prime it, rib on this podcast. I, I guess it has to be me. It's Greg's over there in the neutral corner. Look, <laughs> I'm sorry. You know? I will. I will. I will, I will. I will give you a rack of ribs. I will give you that. If you want to go with that, we can put that in there. But uh, my not, Texas brisket challenge will be unsullied by fucking deli meat. <laughs> what? Get that right. Carver's Night bullshit out of here. Uh, All right, what are we doing? Are we hosting a podcast? Are we, are we doing that? This was a podcast. It was called Radio Free Nintendo. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to do another one after that. That was Guillaume, Guillaume the Moral Compass as, yeah. uh, as finally proven... Yep. That we cannot go on without him. But he'll be back next week yeah, after Guillaume he is... probably hears this and like holds us hostage for it. Yeah, Guillaume is somewhere in the Highlands saying, I sense disappointment. I hope, disappointment Guillaume, I hope this gets out before Guillaume flies home. So he's on let's, an airplane listening so. to this mm-hmm. and has to listen you know, to it on that whole flight back from Europe. Because his, I had that experience coming back from Japan. Yeah. You know, he'll, be, he'll be sitting there eating his haggis to go. His uh, haggis whatever. to go. <laughs> Are you proposing the yards? sequel is Scottish Haggis Challenge? What are you? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know any Scottish. So, oh, no, I do. There's, uh, there's, <laughs> I'm trying to think of who the best Scottish celebrity to plug in here would be. I, Sean Connery? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I was going to go with, Sean, with Sir Sean Connery, but he might not make it to the release of that game. Oh, man. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's Scottish... Haggis Challenge starring Sean Connery and the dragon from whatever that fucking dragon movie he made was. Dragonheart. (laughs) Yes, yeah. And Joanna Dark. Yes, that's that's this game. So on that, you can send your emails to this shit show to RFN and NintendoRollReport.com and we'll do whatever the hell we just did to Joanna. (laughs) Pass the brisket. (laughs) <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. All right, All right so All right. Greg, get us yeah, out. Yeah, well, here. you know, I thought I'd leave music in your capable hands. Oh, good. <laughs> My capable hands. Um. All right. So E3 just happened. We uh. We we got to see that in fact we are going to get Xenoblade Two this year. Uh, it is it yeah, is confirmed. Yeah. We were we were convinced 
perhaps by many that this wasn't going to happen, but it is. 2017, we are getting Xenoblade 2, and to celebrate, Nintendo put a bunch of new music on the Xenoblade 2 website. One of these songs, or a few of these songs, are very, very Xenoblade, because of course they brought back the composers to Xenoblade. Yeah, I get, but it's minus Shimamura, though, isn't it? Minus uh, Shimamura, but Shimamura didn't do a ton of the music in that. No, they, they, but there's some that were very Shimamura. Oh like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, but yeah, Mitsuda's back. That's the big yeah, one. Yeah, there's uh, the, the battle Trigger. theme that they released. Someone in on Twitter described it to me as the sequel to the battle theme from Xenoblade. "Quote: <laughs> if Music can have sequels. This is definitely one of them." Yeah, um, yeah. This an Unforgiven two by Metallica. I think there was an Unforgiven three as well, actually. Uh, so yeah, music can have sequels, but yeah, this might be the most meaningful way in which this is a sequel to the original Xenoblade. <laughs> most part, yeah, because it does. You know, it's not. It's not going to be that like closely tied in. Apparently, there is a red, highly inefficient looking sword. So maybe, and, maybe and that. people living on giant creatures, but yeah. like, I think it's more sort of just general thematic than anything more than that. So in this case, one of the songs they released though is a piano melody that again sounds very Mitsuda, um, called Elysium of the Blue Sky. I'm not sure people get the names from, but this is the name everybody has on it, so I assume it's valid. And on that, we are going to end this thing. John, do you have any more any more uh, defense of Prime Rib for us? Are we good? Uh, no, I mean, just, I, I, everybody should try Prime Rib. Go out and get it. It's the best meat out there. Never apologize for enjoying Prime Rib. It's Never best, apologize. It's the best meat out there. There's no meat better. John. Apparently. John. <laughs> oh, it's God, the worst impersonation out there. Bye, everybody. <laughs> try the Prime Rib. <laughs>